Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. And we are on the air. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley, Patrick Quinn working the audio board for us. Good to have you here. Uh, as always, lots to talk about. We have so much happening in Illini Nation uh, with basketball. That is on the way. Uh, just a few minutes away. Hang on to that. Mike Farrell, he's part of the Illini guys. And, of course, he is the godfather of football recruiting. Um, talk about the Illinois football recruiting right now. And also uh, a quick spin around the Big Ten and some other programs, uh, some doing well and some just not so well. And he pulls no punches uh, we've told him to go for it. So that's coming up as well. Uh, and we'll talk a little portal news. Also, Adalia McKenzie rejoins us, the Illini gal, after a couple of weeks off to kind of, you know, get get her voice back after screaming uh, during a season and whatnot. <laughs> hey, guys, you know, Masters is underway. Um, you know, we, we know that there's a green jacket coming up later. Do you guys have green? I mean, not for the Masters, but do you do you have a green jacket at home that you pretend is your Masters jacket? Well, I fell down once with my jacket on, and now it has a grass stain. So I call that my green jacket. So that's all I got going for me. Yeah, the only green jacket that I would have would be like me doing the Chris Farley fat guy in a little man suit. So we just keep that green jacket hidden away because when I last wore that um, was a long time ago. Several pounds ago? Quite a while ago. Uh, Many, many, many pounds and moons ago. Any pizzas ago. Yeah, exactly. Line guy, Mike. Yeah, that's right. I told you guys uh, we were getting ready to go on the show, and my craziest Masters moment, all the ones that I covered down there in Augusta, it was uh, Arnold Palmer's 50th and final Masters. He's coming down 18. I, I'm supposed to do a live hit for CNN Radio, and I go I through the clubhouse, almost out into Washington. I mean, I, I'm as far away from golf as you can get. At the time, you're not supposed to have cell phones. This is This is, you know, what, almost 20 years ago. And But the media, we could have one. We just couldn't take it out with us. Well, we still would kind of have it in our pocket. I get amongst these pine trees, and I pull the phone out to make the phone call. And literally two security guards, like, jump me. One grabs my arm. One grabs the phone, grabs my press pass, my my you know my card. I mean, like I'm a criminal, right? I walked into the security hut. They're, like, behind glass talking. I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm about to be like, I'm gonna, they're going to disappear me, right? You know, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm Hoffa. And the guy comes out. He says, you know, he goes, you're in a lot of trouble. I said, why is that? And he goes, because I'm a Fox News fan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, nothing happened. I mean, they got me reparand. I said, dude, I'm, I would never hurt you. But anyway, there's my, so I never, I don't know what Arnie did. I don't know if he birdied, par, bogey, double bogeyed. I have no idea. I missed the whole thing. Thanks to that. So there's my master story that um, there you go. Hey, but another really big event um, that I won't say will rival the masters on Sunday, but we saw just a record audience the NCAA Women's Championship game, LSU the champion over Iowa. Um, yeah, LSU won and that you know, the stuff too. But boy, the audience, almost 10 million people watching. This is just fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you think about this. This is more than they had for like the Orange Bowl and the Sugar Bowl and the, these football bowl games. More people are watching the Women's College Basketball National Championship. Now, I will say there's a couple things that I, I got to – Caitlin Clark is a big part of this. She has captured the fancy of, of the nation because she's got a little of that Steph Curry game. Drew, she's shooting from anywhere, and you never know what's going to happen. And she, you know, it, it's just fun to watch. And, and they put up points, right? Um, 
But I, I, the one concern I have is all these people. I, I wonder if they're long-term fans or they're casual fans. Are they going to keep watching if it's not Caitlin Clark? I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder about that. And I also, the product on that Sunday from the officiating crew was not good. So, Yeah, I think ultimately you're going to use a, a strategy similar to what the WWE uses where you bring in people to get more eyes and then you want to see how many stick. That's what they've used for years. It does work. I know you guys don't believe it. Um, and Caitlin Clark, the NCAA should keep, they should help pay the NIL bills for Iowa so that she can stick around for a couple more years and build habits with people. Hey, here, here's a question for you. So let's say Caitlin Clark, she plays next year at Iowa and she could be, she'd be a senior, right? And COVID she, year then. She'd have a COVID year. Imagine her if she decided, I'm going to be a free agent. Whoever gives me the most NIL, I'm going to go play for you. What would it be? LSU. Three million? Four million? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What's it going to be? Because she brings in that kind of crowd. It's insane if you think about it. And and that's that's why there are certain people, you know, that, that just have the ability to do that. And you could tell that by the response the country had to the the whole situation after the game. I don't think the whole country would have cared if it was any other player, but she's caught the imagination. The On the thing of the referee, now we're into my zone. The, the NCAA, the Big Ten, the SEC, the big those big organizations, they have enough money coming in. Each of them has a billion coming in from their TV. They need to make sure that women's basketball, men's basketball, and football refs are full-time employees because you are protecting your product and you can't have crappy refereeing ruining excellent athletes, excellent coaching, and excellent competition. Get people in there, pay them a lot, get rid of the ones who aren't good, train the ones who are. It's easy. I can't argue with any of that. And that was the, and we've all talked about this, you know, on our own that, that it's too bad that on this spectacle, um, you're on ABC. You're not on a cable network. I mean, everyone's watching. And you're right with Caitlin Clark. You know, 3.3 million watching LSU Virginia Tech, 5.5 million watching Iowa South Carolina. Now you can say yes, South Carolina undefeated, uh, number one, Don Staley, um, all these reasons why. But Caitlin Clark and Iowa's game plan. I mean, just some brilliant play calling, brilliant coaching, brilliant preparation, um, and that sets up the 10 million audience right for for sunday and so uh, to your point but brad you're right i mean here is somebody that i mean i you know i'm my wife thought kansas state's marquise noel was phenomenal in the men's tournament she had the same reaction to caitlin clark in the women's tournament i mean she was must see tv you wanted to see and when she comes out and hits a 35 footer right off the jump ball you know early on i mean you then it's on she she was fun to watch and they, you're right they've got to get this together they got to figure this out so but no hats off, uh, yeah, no hats question. off to, to LSU and hats off to, to Iowa. Uh, first ever trip to the title title game, LSU first championship. Uh, Kim Mulkey, let's put a fund in to uh, take her to, to Dillard's or Macy's and let's find some regular oh pants suits. Um, we got to get her some clothes. That's just something. I mean, she, you know, it I, looks like you're at a circus. There's like a clown on the sidelines. I, I need LSU to give her a raise so she doesn't have to moonlight and take a private jet to Vegas to do the final act at Caesars that night. Um, because <laughs> it's like that, something right out the corner. Oh, it was it was it was electric. I mean, it was hers. That you know that, who it looks like? 
You know, it looks like it's the Macho Man from his WWE days when he went to the pink stuff. Remember that? Yes. yes. Ooh, step into it, man. <laughs> yes. Step into yes. a Slim Jim. Her her outfit was Elizabeth. Yeah. Elizabeth, get over <laughs> here. <laughs> I'm watching at home on my big screen. Her outfit was so bright. I put on sunglasses at the first <laughs> timeout from home. I watched Ooh. the rest of it in shades. Now, was, folks, Larry, Larry regularly wears sunglasses inside because he's too he's too cool. Too cool. Imagine, I think I think we need to. I cover the when I'm covering the Illinois games. I need Brad Underwood maybe to start with some crazy looks there you like go. that. There you go. <laughs> Brad Underwood in a pantsuit <laughs> with with tassels or feathered boas. Oh, you know, like remember the Bon Jovi with the little that the thing yes! the tassels on the side. Yes, that would be right. awesome. We need to get an appointment with Brad. I think when we're, when we're done with his makeover, everything will be great. Listen, he'll listen. He'll be the talk of the country. Yes, he will. <laughs> Everyone know who he is, win or lose. That's right. All right. Speaking of Brad Underwood, we're gonna, Brad Underwood, we're going to talk about his program and what a week, uh, what an off season. Lots of stuff going on. We will get to uh, as much as we can up next. Kendrick Prince of Illini Guys will join us as well with some recruiting news. It's all straight ahead right here on the Illini Guys Radio Network. This is the Sports Spectacular. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and it's much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. This segment presented by Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, and uh, proud to have them as a sponsor of the Atlanta Guys Sports Spectacular program. Uh, time to talk Illinois basketball. We were discussing uh, Brad Underwood and maybe needs a, a change of wardrobe for 2023-24. Let's get down to brass tacks right now. Uh, Larry, Brad, and Mike and now joined by Kedrick Prince. He's the director of recruiting for IlliniGuys.com. Uh, guys, I, I, I want to... Just get your thought now. Uh, the regular season ended a month ago. Uh, the team has been home and out of, uh, you know, the, the entire season. Then now the NCAA tournament now for, for about three weeks. Um, what do we know now about this Illini team that we didn't know a month ago um, about what went wrong th- this season? So much promise, a ton of talent. And and to, to joke with Cedric the Entertainer and the Kings of Comedy, talking about Luther Vandross's Jerry Curl, never quite curled it never they curled never <laughs> never it just never quite this team never quite gelled what what do we know well i i think the first thing we know is that when you're relying on a freshman a group of freshman guards to kind of be your leaders on, on the floor in, in the sense that they're going to be ones creating facilitating that doesn't work very well and they have to be really really good for that to happen. And and I thought they saw good moments from whether it was Sky Clark, Jaden Epps or Sincere Harris, but to rely on them to be consistent as freshmen is not a recipe for success unless you have some veterans to go to maybe with them. You can have a freshman point guard. You're going to have a veteran too. Well, I think those are key ingredients, but for me, I think what went wrong is what went right kind of, and um, that's a double negative, but I really look at the talent and the transfer portal. As good as it was, I just don't think they jailed guys. I think, you know, you had guys coming in, and I don't think Matthew Meyer was the leader of his team. I don't think Terrence Shannon was, and I think they were 
you know, they were great. Both made all Big Ten teams, but I think the chemistry just wasn't there. Um, you know, I think in years past, a lot of people probably took for granted, you know, what DeMonte and Trent had and, and, and what they meant to the team. I just didn't see that this year. I didn't, I mean, you know, being around the program and seeing it on the court, I thought that whole chemistry missed, you know, I think that was missing. And that's the dangerous part of the transfer portal. You know, now I guess if you're going to get into it, it'd be probably maybe best if you get kids that are undergraduates instead of grad transfers because you can keep them in a the program for a couple of years. But the whole just chemistry to me is what I noticed that was missing. Yeah, I wrote in the Heat Checks and Hail Mary column on March 29th about how you put together a team and where they missed was the the fit of a player with the culture with the coaching staff and with the rest of the, the teammates. And there was an obvious multiple rifts on the team, and that really prevented their talent from coming through. And it seemed like, you know, for, it was a team that just didn't take the next step. Um, you know, I think the first time for me that I really, you know, I, the Virginia game lost in November didn't bother me. Um, if they lost to Texas, that would have bothered me. Um even the loss at Maryland um, that came up, it was still a competitive game and, and they were in the game at the end. But I think the Penn State game coming off the Texas game and, and Underwood alluded to it about just the team's attitude and perhaps the leaders, um, that was kind of the first chink in the armor. And then the Missouri game um, was the next one. I just was like, you know what, this is just not. And it just it just seemed like this was a team that just was never together. Um, and so now we're seeing a lot of changes. Some we expected, some not. Um, four players in the transfer portal already. RJ Melendez, that had so much promise here, two years, um, and and he's out. Uh, Jaden Epps, the freshman point guard, is gone. Uh, Brandon Lieb, the veteran center, and then the walk-on Connor Servin, who still is somebody that that uh, Brandon Wood, you guys are saying, uh, was really um, uh, was really uh, you know he liked a lot. He was one of his favorite players. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that there's there's a little disappointment. I mean, some of those guys are need to find. You know, I think with Lieb, he can find a lower level where he can play at. Um, I think Epps is going to find a really a nice high major, and he's going to make a jump, and he's going to be a really good player um, for them. You know, so I, I think there's R.J. Melendez. I, I've always been an R.J. fan. I hope he does well wherever he goes. I think it just wasn't the, you know, he wants to be more of a focal point of the offense um, as he goes somewhere else. So the one thing about it is you can't panic when four guys leave or five guys leave even because that's the average for division one basketball. Now, literally four guys from every team are going to transfer on average because, and that's how many kids are going in the portal, at least right now. So it's really wild. Yeah. You know what? I mean, it's hard to say what we thought was going to happen. I mean, you know, and I don't want to just base, my thought process on just body language, but you could definitely tell when some of the kids just, they just seem to be checked out earlier. You know, um, I know Coach Underwood did mention that he wanted all the kids to come back, all the student athletes to come back, but sometimes there's so many different, you know, re, you know things that come into play. You know, the kid may want a different start, you know, a, different, a fresh start. I know Brad's right, RJ, you know, people in his camp, you know, they kind of want him to be the focal point. Of, of of the team and you know with, if there's a possibility of Tan Shannon coming back and Coleman Hawkins I just don't see that being possible you know Jay Neffs he will be a, a good player I mean wherever he goes with ACC uh, Big East or Big 12 you know by the time he's a junior senior he could potentially be 
an all-conference type player. But sometimes, you know, when people transfer, people think it's a negative thing. But, you know, it sometimes it's not a good fit, and that's not always a bad thing. And luckily, the portal, you can get better, you know, in the portal. I mean, I mean I, I'm not to knock any of those players, and I don't, I'm not doing that. But the portal, there's some players out there that I think all the kids that are leaving Illinois, you could be a lot better at. And I don't mean that as a negative, but I think that's a positive. And that's the beautiful thing about the portal. Yeah, the the adjustment that I have to make as a fan is I used to enjoy the journey of watching a player who maybe their freshman or sophomore year you were kind of disappointed in, but by the time they were a senior, they were really contributing like Robert Archibald. You know, I would have enjoyed seeing, you know, wood pods of help this year. And, and you know, if Jaden Epps kicks butt, you know, in the next couple of years, it would have been fun watching him at Illinois. But the freedom of the the student athletes to choose now shakes up that uh, our journey as a fan a little bit. And, and, you know, it's just an adjustment that we have to make, but certainly the coaches really have to make when it comes to recruiting. Quick question for you guys before I head on to the next topic. Um, and here's the, the overall, you referred to missing players like Trent Frazier and DeMonte Williams, who just, again, they embody that everyday guy spirit. And I've joked before that these guys seem like they were every other day guys. Um, how is the culture among this program? And is it one that if it is damaged and we agree, it's not what it was a year or two ago, can it be salvaged? Yeah, I think so. I think the biggest key is to get, have some continuity too. I, I think bringing back guys like Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins are very important to next season, because if you bring those guys back and you have Luke Goody and you have Dane Danger and you have sincere Harris, and you start looking at the, the roster and you've got these guys who are, have been through it, and they have some continuity. And now you have – and Ty Rogers. I don't want to leave him out. Somebody will say, oh, you didn't say Ty Rogers. But anyway, so you have those guys. You have some continuity. Now you can develop some success, and they can help bring bridge that culture. This year you had so many new guys, so many young guys, and so many – even the veterans were new to the program. So you have to have some continuity if you want to be good, I think. And if even if it's just the core three or four guys that can lead you on. Brad is right. The You have to get those guys to buy in. But, you know, to, in my opinion, how to fix this, if you're going to add pieces, and I just mentioned this, you know, do your homework. Because a lot of some kids get in the portal because they're bitter. But, if, you know, if you talk to other coach say, hey, you know, why is Mike Hagley, you know, getting in the portal? Is he bitter? What kind of player is he? You get a kid that's a sophomore, junior, and then you have those veteran guys. But then you get guys who are winners and guys who just – you know, who maybe excelled at, at a mid-major or something, and they should be at the Division One level or, or, or Power Five school. Building around a good program to get that culture back, it can be done because Coach Underwood is not going to change, and, and most coaches aren't going to do that, you know. So getting younger guys and getting guys who are going to buy in, and let's face it, you know, you use that hashtag, everyday guys, you can fix it and you can do it, but you're not going to be able to do that by getting kids in every every other year. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I think continuity is important, but I do believe, and I, and I actually will kind of contradict you a little bit here, Ked, I believe both players and coaches have to look at what happened last year and say, what can I do differently or better to get better results? And the great coaches, you look at Tom Izzo, you know, he's a, he's still, you know, he, he, he wins with different types of lineups. You know, he, he does stuff a little bit differently. He's got his core set of values, 
But I don't think – I think the days of a Robert Montgomery night and they just play man-to-man defense and I do it one way and that's it, I don't think those coaches survive much. And I think the coaches have to continue to get better, just like they expect the players to strive for that. Yeah, the game has changed so much. Um, well, this program changing, the lineup changing, the roster changing. You mentioned uh, Brad Shannon and uh, who, you know, we, again, is going to get that feedback from the NBA. Um and Coleman Hawkins already doing that as well. The expectation still is that they're coming back. Transfer portal. Talk about some names right now that you're hearing um, that are strong possibilities that they're listening to what Illinois has to offer. Well, I mean, I think the big name out there is, of course, the the big guy, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. And um, Illinois has had a couple of conversations with him. I think he's a guy who's looking for a large NIL package, and, and Illinois is a school that can probably – deliver a nice NIL package. Of course, I think you're going to have to have other pieces to go with him, but that would certainly shore up a lot of uh, issues immediately when you bring in a, you know, basically a guy who literally, and and I say this, he could be in the right system. He might be the college player of the year next year. He's that level of player. He could be a first team All-American and college player of the year, big 10 player of the year. If he came to whatever, or wherever conference he goes to, that's where, you know, that's what you're looking at with him. And Illinois trying to get in there, and they've had a couple meetings. We'll see. Well, I, you know, he would be the guy I was told by a number of people, even national guys, if Illinois is able to land a Hunter Dickinson, a big guy like that, Illinois is instantly up. And if you get Terrence Shannon, Coleman Hawkins to come back in the pieces around him, you know, with the possibility of Ty Rogers and some good guard and wing transfer players, Illinois instantly becomes one of the top three or four teams in the country because you look at what he, he's a 20 and 10 guy. And I mean, from the, uh, uh, you know, to change gears here, here's a guy that's been really outspoken to the Illinois fans for the three years he's been in college. And now there's a possibility that he can be suited up in an orange and blue uniform, but I mean, there's some work to be done, but he would, he's a game changer. He is what Terrence Shannon and uh, Matthew Meyer were, I think last year, um, and I think, you know, having a guy like him instantly just changes the whole entire outlook on the program. Yeah, I know point guard's important, but there are quite a few point guards. There are not very many bigs who can protect the rim, who can go out and hit the, the three and also be a force in the paint offensively. Hunter Dickinson's one of those. And besides being the most entertaining guy in college basketball, he would be a great fit. The only thing I would say if I was Illinois is you get this NIL money, but you don't taunt any other team on your podcasts. That's it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. He's a special player. And, um, you know, imagine, uh, you know, Illinois fans have done this in the past uh, few days on IlliniGuys.com. By the way, everything you're hearing here has already been discussed on IlliniGuys.com. If you want the instance right away, I want to know what's happening right now. You got to get in there. Uh, everyone else does. Free seven-day trial, IlliniGuys.com. Uh, there's a shameless plug there. I'll probably do another one before the show is over. But no, seriously, um, every all the Illinois fans already talking about the possibility of having a Dickinson in the middle, uh, Coleman Hawkins at the four. Um, he's a, a stretch four, and he's a year older and more mature. And then if Terrence Shannon comes back, again, a fifth-year senior, um, one of the great slashers in the game, um, that's a great start. Hey, very quickly, I've got about 90 seconds left here. Point guard, um, Illinois is in need of one. Brad, how are we looking? Well, I think there are still some guys who are going to enter the portal later. 
um, that they're looking at, but they also are making a pitch at some other guys. You know, one of the guys, and a big name again, if we're talking a guy who wants to be more of a lead guard, is a guy named LJ Cryer from Baylor. Um, he's a guy that they've obviously um, went after. And then there's a, a another kid from Chicago, uh, Justin Harmon, who was a uh, uh, who is they have some interest in. So there, there's some other guys, some more lead guards, but there, there's a point guard coming. All right, good stuff. Well, it's uh, constantly changing, sometimes literally by the hour or <laughs> per diem. So we will be talking about this uh, every single week for the foreseeable future. Hey, Ked, Kedrick Prince, thanks so much for joining us. And um, again, you got that 10-gallon 10, 10 head looking good. We'll see you next week. Thank you. <laughs> Haven't teased Ked in a while. Um, this segment presented by Busey Bank. Once again, we appreciate Busey Bank's support of Illini Athletics as well as the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. We're back with more after this. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC. Hey, this is Tim Sinclair, public address voice of the Chicago Bulls and Fighting Illini basketball, and you're listening to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Well, fellas, uh, Final Four is done. We have an actual champion of the college basketball season in the books. Uh, UConn, um, look, they are the blue blood. Not only five titles, uh, to match uh, among the, the most in, in, uh, in, in college basketball history, but five in the last quarter century, and no one else has done that. So they are the new blue blood. You know what's amazing about them that makes this program even more um, on that pedestal is that they've had three different coaches win national titles yeah. there in these past 20-some years. That, that's amazing, right? I mean, who who else does that? I mean, other than maybe Kentucky or somebody like that, I mean, it's hard to find in, in this short time span to have that many. And I think it's over. When did Calhoun win? It's in 20 years. They've had three guys win in 20 years. In 12. 12. Is it 12, 12 years? That's yeah. It. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I was the one person who <clears throat> I guess I always kind of, you know, blue blood this and blue blood that. And then there was no blue bloods in the final four. And I was kind of disappointed because there was nobody I really hated in there. And, and uh, you know, so then – and then the game was – I thought UConn really effectively dominated that game from beginning to end. And so it wasn't as exciting of a game as I had hoped. And so I didn't watch it nearly as closely as what I would have thought, let's say, a week before. Yeah, it was um, – It was. It, it's interesting, too. Brad mentions the five titles. Um Take nothing away from the Huskies, okay? If you win the six games in front of you, you're champions. I mean, that's all it is. But UConn, no other team in history has won five titles um, with the easy path that they've had. Um, you know, three of those titles are against teams seeded fifth or higher. Um, uh, San Diego State, a five seed. They took on uh, Butler, a five seed back in 2011. And then, of course, Kentucky was an eight seed in 2014 um and the first ever champion uh i gotta go make sure this is correct first ever champion did never face a one or a two seed in the tournament um it's amazing it's taking nothing away from them they are the team and bobby hurley good for you as well um so that's all done uh one of the most unique tournaments we've ever seen that's impressive meanwhile on the women's side 
Um, of course, as we uh, you know have have talked that uh, you know Iowa comes up short to LSU, but of course the you know the 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 big story coming out of this, unfortunately, is not so much the championship. It's more about the whole taunting back and forth. And uh, Iowa star Caitlin Clark, who is known as uh, a trash talker, she's known to do the same John Cena, you can't see me look thing that Angel Reese did to her uh, in the final moments, uh, moments of the title game, talked about uh, her confrontation that she had with uh, Reese of LSU. Let's take a listen. Honestly, I have no idea. I was just trying to get to the handshake line and shake hands and, you know, be grateful that my team was in that position. Um, you know, that's all you can do is, you know, hold your head high, be proud of what you did, and, you know, all the credit in the world to LSU. You know, they were tremendous. They they deserve it. Um, they had a tremendous season. Kim Mulkey coached them so, so well. Um, you know, she's one of the best basketball coaches of all time, um, and it shows. And uh, she only said really kind things to me in the handshake line, so I'm very grateful for that too. But um, honestly, I have no idea. And uh, I was just trying to, you know, spend the last few moments on the court with especially the five people that I've started 93 games with um, and relishing every second of that. I'm not sure she could handle that any better. <laughs> could she? I mean, she just, yeah, she just like, you know, it's, I think she handled extremely well. I mean, just said, and, 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 and she can say she didn't see it, but she knows she did, but she's just going to make a smaller thing. And she defended Reese. Good for her. I mean, she, she gives it out. She, she took it. And maybe, I do think maybe they went too far with it, but it's and and I will say this: I think in a men's game, somebody would have got a technical because I've watched enough men's basketball. You do any of that stuff and you got a technical. I don't know why they don't do it in the women's game, but regardless, Caitlin Clark handled that uh, like a champ. Yeah, I think at some point one person has to to back down and you know kind of de-escalate the situation. She chose to do it. I'm not certain if she was a hundred percent forthright in in that but sometimes you have to sometimes somebody has to be the bigger woman and um you know de- de-escalate things i'll give her credit for that and and i do think you know in the nba i think that type of thing for an extended time might even lead to a to a, a fight you know in in those situations particularly at the end of a game and so i think you know calmer heads prevailed will they'll move on and it's unfortunate that, you know, that decision was made because LSU was about as dominant as a team as I've seen in a long time. And that's really what people should be talking about. And Mike, you hit it right on the head. I agree completely that, you know, here we are a week later. We're still talking about the the taunting and the, and the gestures and all that. When instead, LSU had a fantastic season. They played a phenomenal title game. It was extremely entertaining. My goodness, they looked they looked awesome, and they were the better team on that day. They are the champions. I'd rather talk about that than the other stuff. And you know, Dr. Joe Biden invited Iowa to the to the White House. No, you don't invite second place teams. Iowa rightfully declined. LSU Reese said she wasn't going to go. Now she is going to go. Um, you know, let's just move past that. I agree with you. Um, but again, what a what a moment for uh, for the women's game. And- Can we? To the we, we should probably make sure that we're also talking about, you know, Mulkey's outfits too, because it's oh, the second craziest thing that we yeah. see in every game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. wonder what she's going to wear to the white house. Oh boy. Now, there you go. It's going to be fun. It's I wonder, you know, she'll probably open. have some, some designers going to make something for her. <laughs> it probably is. So yeah, that that's going to be interesting. And, and certainly, there's a lot of coaches um, 
will we see a trend in coaches trying to out clown suit Mulkey? If you can't beat her team on the court, maybe you just got to make sure you outdress her. Yeah. And I think it might be easier to outdress her than beat that team. Yeah. If you can't beat her, distract her <laughs> with your own clothes. <laughs> All right. Quick timeout. We've got more. Stay with us. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Glad you're with us uh, here on this, uh, boy, first full weekend, uh, first full week, I guess we should say, of April as we finally have uh, basketball out of the way. Congrats to UConn, and we move on. Spring football practice is underway, and if it's football, and if it's uh, recruiting and looking ahead to the future, he is the godfather of football recruiting. Mike Farrell, always good to have you uh, on here with us. Uh, Mike, uh, also, of course, uh, a member of the IlliniGuys.com team. Mike, let's uh, start with uh, with Illinois right now and, and how things are going for the Illini. So, you know, the approach of Brett Bielema and his staff recruiting-wise is a, it's a meticulous approach. Um, they're not going to mass offer kids. They had only offered one quarterback, uh, Danny O'Neill. When he committed to Colorado, they offered another one. They're very slow in that respect. And, and Bielema likes to have a small pool of kids um, to recruit. So they've only got one commitment. Um, but the response from last season has been pretty good. You know, it was last season didn't end the way a lot of Illinois fans wanted to, but it got a lot of the in-state kids more interested. The draft with Devin Witherspoon and some of the other guys being uh, drafted is also going to help them. So I, I would say, you know, Illinois has to, Illinois fans have to understand it's going to be mostly three stars and the rare four star, and they have to trust in Bielema to find the right guys that fit for his program and and take a few shots at like a Marquise Lightfoot, an in-state kid who's got Alabama, Georgia offers, um, and see if you can you know pull a surprise there. Mike, is there some concern around 24 recruiting with Illinois? I mean, a lot of people, you know, people outside the program, they get a little panicky when they don't get a, they don't have X, this many commitments or they don't have this guy. Or, or is this just Brett Bielema's style? I, I think there might be concern. I mean, that the average Illinois fan is going to see one commitment, you know, and they're going to see the rest of, the, the rest of the Big Ten with many more. Um, but I wouldn't be concerned because this is how he operates. So he's very, very old school. Um, I've been doing this for a very long time, and it reminds me a lot of the Tom Coughlin approach at Boston College, the Al Groh approach at Virginia, um, you know, Paul Pasqualoni at Syracuse. Old school stuff um, where everything's hush-hush, everything's a secret. Um, you try not to let others know what recruits you're on to. Um, but with social media, that's very very hard to do uh, but even with that he keeps things quiet so if i'm an illinois fan you know the the zook days were wide open you know you knew everybody was coming in and it was exciting at five-star kids you know like um really has been that's not Vilema, and that's not what he's going to do and, and it's never what he's going to do so there are fans i'm sure that are frustrated with only one commitment but covering this and knowing how he is I wouldn't be concerned at all if I'm an Illinois fan. He's going to get guys that fit. He's not going to overextend offers. He's going to be very meticulous and smart about the portal. Uh, Everything is kind of slow and boring, but that's how he has success. That's how he had success at Wisconsin. He tried to change things up at Arkansas and sort of throw himself into the the recruiting battles with some of those teams in the Southeast. It failed miserably. Um, He wasn't able to do it. Now he's going to go back to his Wisconsin ways, and it's going to be successful for Illinois. So when you look at what uh, Coach Bielema is doing out there, 
How do you think he's, is he going to do anything to adjust with the portal right now? People think he doesn't like the portal. Is that just, he's biding his time as he gets more wins so that NIL has more fuel for him or does he really not like the, the portal? No, I, I don't think he dislikes the portal. I mean, it, so last year, you know, last cycle, you know, they had the the commitment, the offensive lineman you know, commitment and the flip to Auburn, and he was bought with NIL, and Bielema got very upset. And he he doesn't hate it. Um, it's he's not a huge fan of it, but he's not a dumb person either. He's no he has to embrace it. He has to be smart about it. Um, you know, he prefers JUCOs. I know that to portal kids. Um, which is smart, honestly, because everybody's going after portal kids and the JUCOs are being under-recruited. So establishing those relationships, he was at a lot of JUCOs. You know, he can get out in the road in December last year, setting the, 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 I guess, setting the tone not only for 2023 and finishing with a few JUCO kids there, but also for 2024. That's going to help him, but he's not averse to the portal. He will, you know, but he's picky about everything. He's picky about high school kids, JUCO kids, portal kids. You're just not going to see him, you know, overextend himself, go all in on one kid when he does and he gets burned as he did. He's going to back off a little bit too. So he's, you know, I've covered recruiting forever. He's frustrating to cover. There's no doubt about it. Um, the secrecy and all this other stuff is it's frustrating because I'm so used to like these big programs, even in Alabama where Nick Saban's old school, you know, I can get someone on the phone and get some information about what's happening. You can't do that at Illinois. And and so fans would be like, well, why not? Shouldn't we be, you know, promoting uh, and using the media? Uh, he's never going to do that. And, and that's okay. Uh, I don't mind his approach because you know what? They won last year. Um, and I initially thought he was a stopgap coach. I thought he was hired after the lovey mistake. That was a bad hire. Um, everybody kind of knew it at the time. I thought he was going to be like a two, three-year guy until they could get a younger coach in there. He's not. Uh, this is a serious job for him, and he's going to be here a long time. And if he keeps winning eight games, uh, everybody's going to be happy. Yeah, that doesn't happen at Illinois very often. I want to get one more question before we move on. Um, do you think that approach hurts the program from a PR standpoint in terms of um, – you mentioned you know, Regis Ben is a great example. The splash that, that happened when, oh, my, I mean – You've got this kid from out, you know, from out in DC coming in and Ron Zook. Wow. And and there was some buzz created. Does that does that hurt him in terms of you know generating interest for the program and getting getting fans in the seats? It it does hurt. Yeah. I mean, you gotta play the media. Um, you know, now if you're successful, I mean, we all see how a Bill Belichick handles the media, we see how Saban handles the media. Um, and and like I said, I mean, at Alabama, there's still a little bit more freedom when it comes to that stuff. But Alabama also has won, you know, six national championships or whatever under Saban. And, you know, they're recruiting five stars and four stars that everybody's involved with. Um, Illinois is still trying to discover kids. They're still trying to keep kids secret. Um, it's it's an okay approach, but it is going to hurt you. Um, you can't keep kids secret and then expect them to be ranked high. You know, you have to lay the ground work with some, you know, recruiting people and some sources and things like that and say, hey, we got this kid. We like him a lot. Um, you know, in this day and age, though, it's kind of it's a little frustrating, you know, because I was in the industry for a very long time, you know, working for a company where I see kids at the end of a cycle that nobody knew about and they just get slapped three stars. 
automatically. So I guess his approach is is even better now than it used to be, um, because when you hide kids, you're still going to get a pretty good star ranking. Um, but you can't get that buzz. You know, if he tried to hide, which he couldn't, if he tried to hide, you know, Vontae uh, Davis or Aurelius Ben or some of those guys from D.C., then, you know, let's say nobody else knew about Aurelius Ben, which is ridiculous, but let's say they didn't. Then you got a low three-star kid and you're not getting a five-star kid to your campus. And they use that, Ron Zuck used that as momentum in recruiting moving forward and everybody else does. So it does hurt them from a national standpoint. People think Illinois is boring. They think recruiting is boring. They think Bielema's offensive style is boring, even though he's opened it up a little bit. And, and that's going to make people pay less attention to them. When you kind of look at, you know, Illinois, obviously in the Big Ten West for one more year, what is the, you, you've got some new coaches out there. How are those new coaches uh, kind of getting through this? You know, at Purdue and Nebraska and um, Wisconsin, what, what's going on in those places? Yeah, it's interesting because obviously, you know, one comes from Illinois in Ryan Walter. So they're going head to head with some recruits that he recruited while he was at Illinois. Uh, and that's going to happen for the next couple of years because you build the foundation of recruiting from ninth grade up. So the kids that are in 10th and 11th now were being recruited by Walters when he was at Illinois. They have a connection to him, so they're going to cross-recruit. Wisconsin, Illinois themselves have gone into Wisconsin and been very aggressive offer-wise because that's where Bielema was, you know, and had his most success. Um, and he's very confident in that area. And, and now with Luke Fickle there, they're going head-to-head for a lot of recruits. And I think Fickle is a good enough recruiter where he's going to win more of those battles uh, than, than, you know, Bielema will in state. Uh, you know, a four-star offensive tackle just decided to go to the Badgers. That's not unexpected. Um, but they really came after him hard and were hoping to get him on campus and, and maybe steal him away. It wasn't going to work. As for Rule, they're not going to really uh, go head-to-head. He's got ties, you know, down in Texas from his Baylor days, but also, you know, he's a Pennsylvania guy. New Jersey guy technically, but he, he recruited in the state of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New England, East Coast. So they're not going to go that head-to-head. Um, I think Wisconsin's doing a good job. I think Purdue, okay. Uh, he's got a little buzz, but it's fading a little bit. Uh, and I think Nebraska is a sleeping giant with Matt Rule. Um, if they can get that Dylan Rolick kid who's the number one player in the country from Arizona quarterback, which right now they're trailing, I believe, USC and Georgia, but just by a little bit, that's going to change everything perspective-wise, and Nebraska could be the real problem here. Over the course of time, how do you how do you expect uh, those teams to match up, and is that going to what is, effect is that going to have on uh, Kirk Ferentz or PJ Flack with what they're trying to do at Iowa and Minnesota? So the West is really good, and people don't give it the credit it deserves because Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are in the East, and they get all the attention. And Michigan State was, you know, up and down uh, with D'Antonio, and then obviously with Mel Tucker that one good year. The West is very steady. Um, you know, short of Northwestern, which was a disaster last year. Um, you know, Minnesota's consistent and steady. Flex going nowhere. They they have. Uh, recruiting success and they they like their de- their guys you know huge offensive linemen running game quarterbacks that don't make mistakes and a defense that's not fast uh but bends and won't break iowa likes their guys you know the defense that runs to the football a lot more than you expect but again a very you know vanilla offense um kind of boring um but big linemen physical just like minnesota um 
you know, I, I think the way Illinois stacks up here, I think they're going to be okay against Purdue moving forward. And again, the West is going to be disbanded and we're going to have all these different scheduling issues and all that stuff. They're going to be better than Nebraska for the next couple of years, in my opinion, because it's going to take them a little while to get good there. Wisconsin, I don't think they're going to be better than them. I think Fickle's a really good coach. I think Wisconsin has more, um, you know, recruiting power. Um, and, and then it's going to be down to, you know, can they, you know, compete to finish second and third if Wisconsin does return to be, you know, the consistent winner of the West against Iowa and Minnesota? That's going to be the question. So this is where it all comes down to development and recruitment. Um, how good a coach is he? You know, can he out coach with lesser players because from a recruiting standpoint, I would put Illinois last in that group that I just mentioned. I think Minnesota recruits better. Uh, I know Iowa does a little bit. I know Wisconsin does. And I think Minnesota uh, and Purdue are going to recruit at least to the level of Illinois a little higher. So Bielema is going to be a better coach if he's not going to be able to recruit to that level. I think he can be. But again, the ceiling for Illinois is probably 9, 10 wins a season at best. They should have won that last year. Uh, eight is great. And in finishing second or third in the West, you know, at least for now is, is what you want. Let's talk about uh, the, the two behemoths um, in the East. It's been, um, you know, such an odd off season for Ohio state. I mean, you know, when you get a two loss team, that's uh, the fan base is mad because they lost the two, the two final games, including to hated Michigan. Um, seems ludicrous that people think about maybe getting rid of Ryan day, but, you know, that's just that's just Ohio State. What are the Buckeyes doing right now? So uh, this is where college football is unfair. Um, <clears throat> Ohio State's recruiting at a top five level in the country. They're getting five stars. They just got a five star wide receiver the other day. You know, they're, they're taking a kid at Air Nolan's uh, quarterback from Georgia who's supposed to go to Miami. They get him on a campus for a visit. He's going to commit to them next week. Um, they they kind of tap kids on the shoulder and, and, you know, invite them rather than recruit them in many ways. Michigan is starting to do the same thing with the success win in the Big Ten the last couple of years, going to playoff the last couple of years, beating Ohio State the last couple of years. Last year, recruiting wasn't great for Harbaugh because he flirted with the NFL again, and he had that interview with the Vikings. He kind of turned some people off. He did the flirtation again this year, but it's not setting recruiting back. They just got Jaden Davis, the five-star from North Carolina. So when I look at this and I see these programs recruiting at that level, and then I see Illinois recruiting at their level, it's just unfair. I mean, how do you beat an Ohio State? How do you beat a Michigan um, based on the talent? You know, especially Ohio State. Um, so they're doing very well. They're going to continue to be playoff contenders. I think they're the only two teams in the Big Ten that can possibly push for the playoff in its current format. You got to hope with the extended, uh, expanded playoff that a third and fourth team from the Big Ten could possibly get in there. But it's it looks like it's going to be Ohio State, and Michigan for the foreseeable future. So I I guess the next team though is is Penn State. They they're just good enough not to be Ohio State or Michigan. <laughs> you know, I mean they recruit recruit pretty well, but they're definitely third team on that on that list in that in the East Division. Does the changing of divisions maybe give them a little more hope where they don't have to play them every year, perhaps? I mean, certainly it will help. I mean, having a schedule where you're, you know, consistently, I think the last time they beat Ohio State was 2016. I may be wrong on that, but it's certainly the last time I remember them beating them. And, you know, Michigan hasn't been great until the last couple of years, but you got to pencil in a loss to Michigan if they're going to recruit and play this way. 
that's two losses right there in the schedule. You know, you're firmly entrenched as the number three team in the East. If you do mix this up, and obviously you're bringing USC and UCLA and both talented teams, you know, 10-win teams. Um, so that's that's not good, but getting rid of the divisions is good. I just don't know if they're going to be able to break through. You know, Drew Alar has a lot of buzz as the quarterback at Penn State. Nick Singleton was a great freshman running back last year. It's going to take something special for them to put it all together and beat not only Ohio State, but beat Michigan, beat Michigan State. Um, it's just I they can do it. They're the third team that can do it. If I'm looking at an expanded playoff, it's definitely Penn State is the third team that has the best chance to get in there. But I don't know. I, I just don't think – James Franklin's a great recruiter. I just don't think that they play – consistently enough to really challenge um i'm i'm more worried if i'm a big 10 fan about wisconsin because they can really he opens up that offense he's going to run an air raid with phil longo coming over from unc but they're still going to run the football so now you can recruit better wide receivers now you can recruit you know better skill players better quarterbacks <clears throat> they got maybe Matire from texas to go there four-star kid looks like trevor lawrence doesn't play like him quite yet but it's going to change everything at Wisconsin. If they could put it all together, they're the dangerous team more than Penn State. So how do fans for Michigan State, Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana, where do they find their hope, Mike? Mm, well, Rutgers, there's no hope. I'm sorry. I, you know, no <laughs> offense. Listen, they worked really good. The last year, Shiano, you know, before he went to the Buccaneers, they had recruiting. They were, they were recruiting at the best level they were in the state of New Jersey. They wanted to build a wall around New Jersey. That's not going to happen. Most of the top kids leave from Jersey, but they were doing very well. And then he left. All that momentum was gone. You know, Flood didn't do a good job. Ash didn't do a good job. Now he's back. The walls, there's just no way they're going to be able to keep those kids there. Uh, Maryland is, I like Mike Loxley. I think he's a good coach. They're, they're pesky. They're kind of annoying, but they're not going to be able to keep all those kids in Maryland, D.C., Everybody's coming in there poaching, stealing kids out of there. Michigan State's the interesting one because I think Mel Tucker, no offense to Mel Tucker, he's not a $100 million coach. Um, he got lucky his first year with the transfer. Kenneth Walker really was, you know, the guy who helped carry that offense. Um, I think they're going to regress quite a bit. So Indiana, sorry, you know, I like him as a coach too. Allen's a good guy. They have no way of competing either. So maybe once every four years, Indiana had that little run a couple of years ago. Michigan State had their little run a couple of years ago. You know, Rutgers, Maryland, maybe, you know, a seven and five season. But hope, you know, it depends on your expectations. First of all, you know, in writing for Illinois, there's not one Illinois fan who should expect to go to the playoff. I'm sorry. Just not in the cards. It's just not going to happen. Um, Iowa hasn't made the playoff. You know, Wisconsin hasn't made the playoff. Um, Michigan State made it once, and that was kind of luck. So you have to temper your expectations and understand that a coach that goes eight and four every year gets you to a bowl game and keeps you competitive against the best teams, that's good. And and if you base those expectations for, you know, these other programs like Michigan State and the rest, they're okay. But it's when you start thinking, we got to beat Ohio State, we got to beat Michigan. No, it's not going to happen. Um, so that's why Illinois fans have to understand this is really good, you know, but you're not Alabama. You're not, it's just college football is so unfair and there's not enough parity. 
we see the Sweet 16. We see the, you know, the 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 NCAA tournament. We see, you know, teams like San Diego State going. This isn't basketball. They're 85 kids instead of 12. It's just not. <laughs> it's just not in the cards for a lot of teams to to have that massive surprise season. TCU showed you can, and you always have that hope. But expecting it is a different story. You just can't expect it if you're those programs. His name is Mike Farrell. He is the godfather of uh, college football recruiting. Always great to talk with you, Mike. Um, we know that uh, recruiting is always fluid, so we'll catch up with you uh, in a few weeks to get an update. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Mike Farrell. Good to See talk. Uh, stay with us. Much more to come after this. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Right back here on the show. Hour number two is uh, now underway. We're officially on the clock. Larry Smith, Mike Hagley, Brad Sturdy. Uh, glad you're here with us. Let's talk a little baseball right now. And uh, you guys are talking about the umpires striking back. Uh, sorry, Star Wars fans. It's just been a, it's been a crazy opening to the season. Yeah, the umpires strike back. Yeah, it seems like it. I, and I don't know what it is about it, but they're like really short to this so far. So many ejections for like mild things, you know, discussions or, or ejection. Tim Anderson gets ejected for talking to the pitcher because the umpire thought he was talking to him. We had JT Real Muto getting thrown out for not catching the ball. We, we've talked about some of these, but I mean, Manny Machado is the first guy to get called out for arguing about the pitch clock and, uh, so, yeah, I, I think that there's something weird going on with they decided to do this early. It's almost like the flop call in college basketball. We're going to call it early, and then we're going to forget about it in the tournament, and you just flop away. Um, <laughs> it's like fish on the table. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I don't know what's going on, but it seems odd. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing is, is uh, first off, The Empire Strikes Back, I believe, is a book by Ron Luciano that was one of the funniest sports books That's I've ever read. Fantastic. So definitely, if you want to read something and laugh, that would be it. And I just think that the the umpires have taken a lot of crap, and I think everybody's a little angry in America now. So cross them at your own risk, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Now, also uh, the pitch clock, you know, the ex experimentation uh, in in the, the exhibition season, spring training, uh, I think it shortened games by an average of 26 minutes, right? Which, Brad, you're Something pointing like out, that. okay, that's fewer beer sales, that's fewer concessions purchased. I mean, if you're going to speed it up. Um, uh, but you're saying, again, it's, it's it, we've had some issues here in the opening week with the with the pitch clock. Yeah, I think that's it's it's good to have the game move faster. There's less of the standing around. I get that, but I I hate the ones where I, it really bothers me when a guy gets call, a strike call because he's not ready for the pitcher when the pitcher isn't even on the rubber yet at eight seconds. Like he's not he's not in his motion. He's not even on the rubber. He just has to pitch it by the end of the pitch clock. Well, I don't care why why do we call a strike on the batter if he's not ready at eight seconds? It, the pitcher's going to pitch it. Regardless, it doesn't. So the guy's in there swinging his doing his little prep thing because he doesn't want to stand there for eight seconds in this position because he can't take a practice swing then because he'd be considered not ready for the pitch. So I think that's part of it needs to be tweaked. Shohei Otani, though, how about him? He got a pitch clock violation while pitching and hitting in the same game. He's the first <laughs> guy to do that. <laughs> Multi tool player. Um, I think the interesting thing is with the pitch clock. 
and Brad, you can kind of confirm this, but doesn't that make the pitcher the person who's kind of calling the game as opposed to the catcher calling the game? Could that reveal that maybe some pitchers uh, need the help of catchers and, and maybe vice versa? Yeah, I, I think so. They've got that. Everything's digital now. They do the little pitch clock things where they push the button. I if I'll tell you what, if you want to go watch fun, though, watch Zach Granke pitch now. He literally calls his own pitches. Then he, he he had one where he's calling his own pitches, and then he's, like, giving himself five for <laughs> for getting the right pitch call. It's hilarious. I mean, I think Granke might be the most fun pitcher. We need to have a – we need to, like, do a uh, – I don't know, a, maybe a sturdy for 30 on him. That would be fun. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, so yeah, what you're saying is it's it's not a good rule for baseball. Uh, way too it, far. It, I think it, there's a there's a happy medium we could find maybe that would be a little bit less restrictive, that could still speed up the game somewhere in between. Hopefully they'll find that. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, we got a couple minutes here before we need to take a break. Um, one thing that uh, we were talking about um, uh, was in uh, good story on CBSSports.com about college football recruiting expenses by conference. And um, it was just staggering to look at the numbers, um, not just now what's being spent, but the comparison to to a year ago. So, I mean, let's take Georgia, you know, back-to-back national champions. Um, they've unseated Alabama as the, you know, the <laughs> pun intended, uh, the big dog on campus, right? Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks. You too. Thank you. Um, $4 million dollars. Uh, it's what they spent in 2022 on on recruiting. Okay, it's, it's Georgia. That's up. I'm sorry, 4.5 million last year, or the average in the last five years before that was 2.75 million. So you're averaging. I mean, look at the jump there. I mean, that is that's more than um, a 50% increase in 2022 compared to the five years prior. I, I think that's insane, and I'm not trying to uh, whatever spend what you want to spend, but the amount of money that they spend on recruiting is rather rather nuts. I mean, what are you doing with that money? And we're not talking NIL or paying guys or any of that stuff that we've heard happens or happens. We're talking about expenses. I mean, how many private planes do you need? I don't get <laughs> well, it. You know, you know, for these these some of these conferences with a billion dollars going to be coming in each year, you know, it's kind of play money for some of these coaches maybe. And I do think that spending controls probably need to be out there to some point because if you do get a revenue windfall it's 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 real money and they should be trying to you know make the athletic departments work a little bit as opposed to just this spend like they're doing yeah the numbers are are just staggering everyone is up michigan uh the average before 1.4 million uh 2022 2.2 million up 800,000 uh, from their average records almost doubled 879 up to 1.6 million um and the discrepancies within the conference so in the big 10 michigan 2.2 million spent uh iowa $577,000 spent uh we talked about georgia and and the 4.5 million they're at the very top of the sec and the top of all college football for that matter um the last place team in terms of dollars spent the very thrifty bulldogs for mississippi state 633,000 so I mean, literally, it's only like, four million less. Larry. Yeah, like one seventh the budget, the recruiting budget of Georgia. That's just insane. Oh, it's not. I mean, it's the haves and the have-nots, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. amazing what these people are spending. 
You know, old, old Nick Saban keeps having the top five classes, and he spends less than like three or four teams in the in the uh, SEC, even. So yeah, yeah. The biggest loser in recruiting: Texas A&M, almost three million dollars, and you went nowhere. You were well. Bad. Jimbo might be going somewhere. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just not anywhere that he They're wants gonna, to go. They better save that $3 million for the buyout. Yeah, exactly. No. exactly. <laughs> well, maybe he went somewhere. We just don't know where. He, he well, used the recruiting budget to, to go. <laughs> and, and thrifty is probably not going to be a good title to have when it comes to recruiting spending if you don't have the Ws. No, exactly. Exactly. So, all right. Want to get that out there. Uh, stay with us. More to come after this. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgent care. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Oh, we are the Illini guys. This is the Sports Spectacular. Larry, Mike, and Brad here. And, uh, you know, football is ongoing, of course. Uh, Brett Bielema uh, talking uh, earlier in the week here about uh, how practice is going. Let's get an update, and we'll talk about Coach and the Illini on the other side. Uh, yeah, I know Thursday night uh, we always host an event over here. I think last year we maybe in our team meeting room wasn't even full. I know this year we had 200 people waiting outside. I think there was over 250 people here on, and uh, over 500 in general. Um, but, you know, I've constantly made a point to these guys uh, how much Illinois football matters to us. I, I said this stat the other day. I didn't even realize. I know it had been skewed. You guys that follow us, um, uh, you know, prior to me coming here, the two years prior, they had signed three players from the state of Illinois. Illinois had, and we've signed 23 in the last two years. So, uh, 20 more players over the last two years. And I, you know, we we hopefully have uh, uh, put ourselves in a good position here with our Illinois coaches. And, and uh, today, this weekend, was just another step. It's really, you know, it's one of those things. It's really important off season for Illinois, isn't it? It's really important spring coming off eight wins and. The hype is there for the Illini. I mean, there's a lot of hype about Illinois, and I think people are almost more excited maybe about football than basketball. Well, maybe not that far, but it's pretty good. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how this how this plays out throughout the spring. Yeah, and, and they're setting up for a, a really important fall, and Illinois is not going to sneak up on anybody this year. So they've got to be very productive in this this time period and, and get ready for a season that they're going to have a target on their back instead of being the team that was uh, sneaking up from behind and getting a couple knife strokes in before the game starts. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> hey, Mike, from, Mike from the top rope. I'm going to make a WWE reference. Exactly. Exactly. So he's got a chair. He's got a chair. It began in one way and then it went off and oh my goodness. Whoa. Tangent. Order. Exactly. So call in the detective Stabler. 
Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we're, we're, we're going to leave that there and stick a pin in it, put that up, talk about that later, because we've got Matt Stevens uh, standing by quick timeout. And we'll talk to uh, the guru of Illini football on IlliniGuys.com, Matt Stevens, with more. And we don't think he's bringing a knife uh, next on the Sports Spectacular. Don't get your fingerprints on it. (laughs) Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-816-4492. 800-816-4492. That's 800-816-4492. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Okay, so Mike's uh, wiped the blood off his knife. Uh, just in time for Matt Stevens to join us. <laughs> the Illini Guys football <laughs> writer and analyst. Uh, Matt, follow that up. Uh, <laughs> practice Matt, this Matt's glad he's calling in. That's exactly. all I'm saying. <laughs> not, he says, I'm glad I'm not in the state-of-the-art Illini Guy studio right now. Um, Matt, what say you? <laughs> it says in my Illini Guy's contract that I will not be uh, – I will not be I, – I, I'm not going to commit a crime for you guys. So if this is what <laughs> we're doing, like, I'll just quit right now and we'll, we'll be done with it. There you go. Tell us about the Illini. What's going on this week? Uh, Last last weekend there was the first scrimmage that, for whatever reason, actually I do know the reason there were high school coaches on the sidelines. So Brett Bielema decided to let the media watch too. The there was an open scrimmage last weekend, um, and I think they're 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 trying to get everything set up for for a scrimmage this weekend to uh, to potentially get everybody ready for a spring game. That I, I think Brett Bielema is going to be, try to be as vanilla as possible. So I, there's there's still some questions about this football team going into what I think is practice seven or eight um, they're trying to figure out in the scrimmage number two in, in, in the spring season. Um, there's, there's, there's just, it's less more about the depth chart than it is about trying to get guys position at certain positions and certain position groups at a higher level skill wise before they start fall camp in August. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of install going on right now in terms of what scheme they're going to run and what the playbook's going to look like because they're going to start back from square one once fall camp rolls around in August. But I, I do think that they feel like the depth is is becoming to be a little bit bigger than the, I, I would say when they first got the champagne and even when they were going through spring last year, especially at the positions that are going to define BLM's program, and that's offensive line and defensive line. So you mentioned offensive line and defensive line. Howard, obviously we know we have that the, there are a lot of Illinois guys back on the defensive line, some really good players. Offensive line, though, there's some holes. They lost some pieces. How, how's that looking? This is going to sound weird, Brad, but the good news is the offensive line were really poor on Saturday uh, in the first scrimmage, and I think that's a good thing. I think Bart Miller gets to have on tape 
mistakes that he can look at in a game type of scenario and say, guys, this is not the level we need to play at. And also, I think he's still trying to work it, work how these five guys are going to work. And you got to also evaluate the idea that Zy Chrysler is not going to be involved the entire spring after having offseason surgery. He's going to be in the mix for that starting starting mix once fall camp rolls around. But guys like Josh Getsky, who we started, we talked to earlier this week, um, has a shot at being, you know, a former two-star recruit, end up being maybe the starter at right tackle um, by the time they roll around in September for the season opener. Um, and then, I, you know, Bart Miller kind of, you know, paralleled what I thought when I was watching on Saturday for two hours, which was, I didn't think the offensive line was very good, but I thought Josh Kreutz was really good at center. And that's a positive development there with the offensive line is that even at less than 300 pounds and eventually I think this staff's going to get over the fact that Josh Cruz just isn't 300 pounds but I think he could win the center job and, and that allows them to potentially not have to go into the portal post spring for a potential center um, to bring in as an instant starter and I think if they feel like Cruz can handle that then, then they have a lot more depth up front in the interior and, and, and can, you know, massage the pieces as, as when Chrysler gets back and Slaughter get, moves in to a guard spot and maybe Geske or somebody else can figure out the tackle spot um, by the time fall camp rolls around. The question I'm hearing a lot is how's Luke doing and who's he going to be throwing to? Well, he's going to be throwing to the same guys that you saw last year. I hate to say this. I've said it before and I'll say it again. And our friend Kedrick Prince, just vehemently disagrees with me, but if you're expecting Malik Elzey and Colin Dixon, the two freshmen that are coming in this fall to really have a huge impact on the 2023 season, I just don't see it. So I do think Luke Altmaier is trying to establish what he has with Isaiah Williams and Casey Washington. I think Pat Bryant needs to take another step. I thought he took a huge step in 2022. He has the opportunity to take a huge step in 2023 being an outside receiver. I think Hank Beatty could take a take a huge step after his freshman year. I think that's somebody that they would like to use in the slot a little bit more and maybe even at outside position, even as a smaller receiver, potentially. Luke has developed into a leader in that locker room. He was at Devin Witherspoon's Pro Day this past week. Um, has no reason to be there for that, other than I think there are a lot of guys that he's still trying to build camaraderie with. Um, and he's done a really, really good job with it. He's not the same leader that Tommy DeVito is from a personality standpoint you are um but luke is doing a really really good job of becoming that presence in the locker room that they really wanted him to be and that they thought he would become by the time he got to champagne and he just has that has that winner and and that competitive spirit to him that you want in the quarterback position i think he's doing really really well the story for me guys is what's behind luke because as we know it was pretty phenomenal for tommy devito to get through the entire season you know, unharmed, except for maybe the Iowa game where Art Sikowski had to come in and basically kind of save the day a little bit. Um, I do think Donovan Leary is getting every chance in the world to win that backup job over John Paddock, the, the Ball State transfer who started 12 games for the Cardinal last year. Um, I, I think they want him to win it. Um, and I think this is his opportunity to win it going into the fall. Uh, and if he can do it, I think that that puts Illinois at a really, really good spot quarterback-wise where they don't have to go portaling at that position um, each and every offseason, which is something Bielema didn't want to do. That's the story is that I thought in, on Saturday on a day where the conditions were really, really bad, um, and Bielema mentioned it about the quarterbacks, 
Um, I thought Donovan Leary did a really, really good job of leading the offense. He was really good in the red zone, which is something Barry Lunny's really tried to work on this spring, conceptually just getting better at, basically, you know, dovetailing off the 2022 season where they weren't very good in, in the red area. Um, he's doing really, really well when he gets an opportunity with the ones. So that's an encouraging part is I think quarterback depth-wise, they're at where they were last fall and maybe even better because if Donovan Leary can – turn that arm talent into something that's, uh, you know, a, a prolific guy that you can hand the football to and, and feel good about your backup with um, Illinois. Sh Illinois should be free, really, really good about being able to put either one of them in a football game. I do think Luke Altmaier is, is ahead of everybody in, in, in that regard, but I do think Donovan Leary is showing the arm talent to why he was, he was brought in by Brett Bielema as, as one of his, as his first quarterback signee. A special uh, private Illini Pro Day this week for Devin Witherspoon, the All-American cornerback who has, I mean, I don't know if anybody else in the country's had a better uh, postseason than he has in terms of where he was uh, was ranked in, among uh, NFL prospects uh, back in December to where he is now in April. Um, had that hamstring injury, so he sat out the one before. How did this go for him this week? With You were saying there were a lot of NFL teams there to watch uh, to watch him work out. 23 NFL teams, 31 total pers uh, personnel people. Um, if you had a top 10 pick and you weren't the Carolina Panthers who have the number one overall pick, you were in Champaign on Wednesday. Um, and I made sure to note that is that if everybody who had a top 10 pick other than Carolina was there and uh, the most representation was the Detroit Lions, who I believe owned the sixth pick in the draft, um, six or seven, somewhere in there. Um, and they had four guys, two of their guys led the position drills that Devin Witherspoon went through after he ran his, his two forty times. Um, and then that they, they kind of shut it down. It was a really, really small scripted kind of day. He didn't do any of the, what I call the track and field stuff that they make the combine guys do. He just decided not to do it. He was wearing a lot of kinesiology tape, um, on his hamstring, even when he was going through drills. So I, I got the impression that he was probably not hundred percent um, to go through what he did still ran somewhere in between a four, four, one and a four, four, five in his 40. So there, what, here's what Devin Weatherspoon did as, as a quick summary. He didn't make any, I, I don't think any pro guys look and go, okay, the tape doesn't match what I what I saw today. And that's, that's important. That's really the important thing of, of what Devin Witherspoon was able to do. I, I, I think he's a, uh, um, I think he's a, I, I think he's a top 15 pick in the draft. And I, 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 I don't think if you had Devin Witherspoon high on your board today, you still have him high on your board. If you don't have him high on your board, he didn't do anything on Wednesday that would dissuade you from that at all. Okay. We'll leave it there. Matt Stevens. We appreciate it. And remind everyone, when is the spring game? April 20th. Uh, as Brett Bielema has done the last two times, it will be live in prime time at night um, because he likes that nighttime slot that the BTN will give him for that, uh, for that, for that spring game. And, and uh, he's not somebody that's going to do that spring game Saturday at noon because everybody else in the world wants to do theirs. He's going to get that primetime television spot. And uh, you, you can, I, I, I venture to guess you're going to see somebody on BTN catch a touchdown pass because that's Brett Bielema wants to, do yeah. that on television somehow some way in that seven o'clock seven o'clock hour yeah. on big 10 network well it'll be fun matt stevens alana guys football writer and analyst great stuff as always on the website and uh, we'll talk with you soon thanks guys
right. Keep it here. Uh, we're going to talk, um, you know, back to uh, Big Ten basketball. We're going to take a look at the the portal. A lot of activity already around the league, including, including a couple of names leaving that you might not have uh, thought about. Uh, that's next here all along the Atlanta Guys Radio Network. This is Jeff Alexander, assistant basketball coach for the Fighting Illini. You're listening to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Well, as we continue here to talk, um, you know, a little transfer portal. Um, this thing has really evolved here uh, in its infancy, and it's interesting to see, one, it's nuts to see how many players get in. Um, and Brad, as you'd mentioned before, the bad thing is some of these players won't have a place to land. And they'll they'll end up at places that they really had never imagined they would end up in those places because they have no place else to go. Um, in the Big Ten, there's been plenty of movement. Um, maybe no one hurt as much as Michigan. Now the Wolverines still have time to replace these guys, um, but they they lose a lot from a team that that struggled to get to the uh, the NIT. Yeah, they did. I mean, Hunter Dickinson obviously is the 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 name loss that they had, um, and, and they lose him, who's you know a twenty and ten guy, nineteen and ten guy. <laughs> And then you also lose Kobe Bufkin, who's your point guard and really good player. And then you lose Jed Howard, who was your outside shooter. Um, you know, not to it's really tough. And they'll get, you know, the Llewellyn kid back, but man, they're they they they're gonna need to add a lot in the portal right now because they lost a ton from this year's team. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting situation, although you know, it's been a while since Michigan's been able to achieve back to back um NIT. First, so maybe that'll be the goal that they're hitting for because that may be the that may be the only thing that's attainable. And you know, you could make a case that if they lose enough players, and depending on what they get back, that the uh, NIT might be a lofty goal. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's tough up there, and and you know, Juwan Howard does recruit where um, you know that's now what you know four guys and four underclassmen in two years who committed. Uh, what jumped jumped early to the NBA draft? The two guys mm-hmm. last year after one, uh, just one season, Diabate in Houston, and and now these two guys. And then again, Dickinson, a guy you thought you might be able to to build around. And whoever gets him, uh, he's got two years. He's got his COVID year, so yep. um, he's a guy that that is not on any NBA draft board. So he very likely could be a, a five year uh, college player. And um, boy, he's out. He's just an outstanding player. Um, it'd be fun to see uh, where he's going to land on that. You know, one of the teams I probably feel worse about is. Uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, you know, they really struggled this year. It was so bad. The five-star recruit they had decommitted at the end of the season. And then you lose your, arguably your best player in Jamison Battle uh, enters the portal. Yeah, it was tough. Battle had a, you know, real good year a year ago, struggled a little bit um, last year. He's honorable mention all Big Ten in 21-22. And then he struggled a little bit shooting. But regardless, he was, um, you know, he's a he's a known player and he was one of their guys who knew, knew they could count on. And now he's gone. And, you know, it sounds like he may transfer in conference uh, somewhere as it's possible. Um, and that they also lose, you know, they lose four guys and they were all guys who, you know, scored and played and, you know, 10 to 15 minutes a game and, or more um, including battle. So, and plus they lose the five-star recruit that they had. So this is tough Tough offseason for Minnesota so far. They got to do a lot of work on the portal if they want to be competitive next year. And they have the double whammy of of having a state that's not very populous and Minneapolis St. Paul being a city that's big enough that they can that the blue bloods can drop in and recruit any really good player. So it's hard to keep your studs in Minnesota uh, and that's a tough thing and I'm looking here also at Michigan. They've got uh 
Tommy Amaker took him three of his final four years to the NIT before um, <laughs> before being lost. So they were they were last in the NIT in 0506 and then 0607, and it was hello John Beeline. So um, that could be a rough uh, wrap up for Juwan Howard. You heard it here first. Mike Kegley is going to be petitioning to change the name of the postseason affair to the MIT. <laughs> um, we move on to some other players in the portal. Uh, Maryland with a big loss. Uh, Akeem Hart is a player that really liked his game uh, with the Terrapins, and, and now he's looking elsewhere. Yeah, Maryland, of course, losing Akeem Hart. That's a tough loss. He's a good player for them. Um, he put up good numbers. And, and you know, he had started 85 games over three seasons, um, scoring 11 11 over 11 points a game you know so um he declared for the nba draft but he obviously entering the portal um and then the other another team that you know indiana is, is really active in the portal but they lost uh, a guy who i really thought was going to step into a more a bigger role was tamir tamar bates and i thought he was going to really step up and have that and it just hasn't you know it, he's gone now so he's into the portal and then the other team um that we had, uh, you know, we were talking off the air was uh, looking at uh, maybe um, Purdue losing Brandon Newman. Although, mm. although Newman had started as a freshman, kind of they recruited over him, but he was a nice player. Uh, I, you know, when I saw him play live against Illinois, I thought he had a, you know, a really nice game that game. And I, you know, I don't know. It, it, that's I think there's a lot of losses here for these teams. They're going to have to be active, and we know there's going to be more guys go into the portal, and they're going to end up somewhere. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, the portal is a crazy season. Yeah, and and it's it's also you know as you recruit people from the portal, that makes guys on your team say, "Well, I'm going into the portal." And it's kind of like the it's the chicken and the egg here. And I was kind of surprised with uh, with Iowa. You know, Aaron Eulis is, is into the portal. You know, he started 27 games this year. And it's almost like, what do we have to do to keep people when starting 27 games isn't good enough? Right. Right. Yeah. That's what's strange. Even, you know, Brad, you were saying that you were hearing on the day of the NCAA championship game, there were third party people from UConn players reaching out about entering the portal. They're about to play for the championship. Yeah. And it, they're thinking about moving on. It's it's crazy. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's a lot of it is, I think it's the NIL thing. So they're putting it out there to see. And some of these guys are even in, entering the portal. Now, I think that the old day used to be, if I'm in the portal, I'm not going back to that school. I don't think that's true totally anymore. I'm just looking for a bigger bag. Like, I mean, I, you know, it's going to be, oh, you, you're offering me 100000 Well, I'm, I want 200000 And it's like, okay, well, I, okay, 200000 Okay, then I won't go in the portal or I'll come back you know, or whatever. So I, a lot of it is negotiation and you've got agents involved. And I, I remember a quote that Brad Underwood from Illinois told me one time, he said, he said, now in the, in the portal, it, it's everything. When you're recruiting in high school, it's relational. When you're recruiting in the portal. It's all transactional because these guys are older and it's all about finding the right, you know, they, they, they know what they want and this is how it's going to be. Uh, Larry, I have a news broadcast. Um, Brad Sturdy just went into the portal. <laughs> Great. We give, him, we give him everything. He has a starting role. He's he's in every show. I know. And and and, and now he's telling us it's transactional. So I'm like, uh-oh. 
I'm in the, that's I have to be on every show with Mike. That's my that's why I'm going in the portal. Yeah, well, you're not negotiating your way out of that, buddy. <laughs> in a world like we're in right now, anything's possible, right? So, all right, well, Brad, we'll work and get you a bigger bag. How's that? That make you happy? Yeah, like a like a twenty one. What is that? Twenty one bags or what are they? Twenty thirty one. I don't. Yeah, know. you'll get a 31? burlap. We'll give you a burlap bag and you'll be happy. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> sack, give me a bur- potato sack. <laughs> that's right. Well, There's my bag. That's right. We're calling it Portal Combat uh, out there, and it's nowhere close to being finished. Uh, this is going to go on for several more weeks. So strap in and uh, just try to brace yourselves. All right. We'll take uh, a time out here. Keep it here. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160-800-390-5160-800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160. We were talking earlier about the women's final four. And again, uh, almost 10 million viewers watching on TV, bigger than any recent all-star game, bigger than any Stanley cup game in decades. I mean, this was outstanding. Great time to be a, a fan of women's basketball. Someone else who was watching, uh, cause she knows that one day she's be playing in it is Adalia McKenzie. She's the Illini gal, uh, sophomore, um, all big 10, all academic, all district. I mean, she is, the bomb and she joins us now adaya what did you think about the the final four last weekend i think it was really competitive and really exciting to watch it hurt but it was just good to watch like it was a great atmosphere and you know me and the team we all watch it together so it was good is it pretty cool when you see iowa doing so well and making the championship game and knowing that you beat them just a couple months ago in the state farm center I know that's what me and the team were just talking about. Like y'all, like we got them on our resume. Like we got to, we got to bring it up a notch. You know what I'm saying? They made it far, and I think we have a lot of potential, and we want to maximize that potential. So just seeing that gave us, you know, confidence and good vibes. Yeah, I kind of felt like you're the uncrowned number two team in the NCAA based <laughs> on that victory. For sure. <laughs> so. Um, any any thoughts about the controversy that happened at the end of the game? Um, we I've determined that the real winner at the end of this game was John Cena, um, WWE superstar, who's now, if he wasn't famous, he is now. You would. <laughs> but any, any thoughts on what you saw based on, you know, you guys, you guys have played the Hawkeyes. Um, and and you know the, how tough it can be in the heat of battle. Yeah, for sure. I think it was a lot of competitiveness like going on. You know, like Kalen Clark, Andrews, LSU, Iowa—they're both great teams. And of course, that game is going to have a lot of intensity and stuff like that. And you know, I feel like LSU had a chip on their shoulder, like regarding like what they were hearing when people were saying like they're not going to make it far because they didn't play anybody in the season, stuff like that. I feel like a lot of emotions were going on, but you know, I just feel like a lot of people are kind of taking away, taking away like their eyes off the championship. Like LSU won the championship, you know, like they're putting so much emphasis on what happened. Like, yeah, 
Angie Reese did what she did, but you know, she's feeling good. Like, they just got the championship. I feel like what people just uh, did too much, you know, like social media did a little bit too much. Just like, I feel like everybody forgot that it was women's basketball, you know, championship game, you know. You know, I think we all have had conversations about this, and I think that is a testament to the interest in the game, right? I mean, you know, there are so many people watching, and I think that's why social media reacted that way, uh, because you had people who don't normally watch women's basketball tuned in for this. And I think it's, overall, it's a good thing it's had this kind of attention for so many days. But here's what I what I want to ask you. Is it, are we being, <laughs> is, is it misogyny that, that the general public doesn't think that female basketball's trash talk? Um, because my question for you, if this was a guy's game, if UConn did this to San Diego State, would we have the same kind of reaction? Honestly, no. It would have been hyped up in a positive way. Like, you know, like, I feel like a lot of things in men's sports is, like, seen differently in women's sports. I feel like there's just a stigma with women's sports. Like, we're being softer or we got to have more classes stuff. Like, I think trash talking, that's just normal in any sport, and it doesn't take away any class. You know, like, it, it was just a celebration. That's all I see it as. Like, when we watched it, we was just like, ooh, like, oh, okay. Like, you know, hyping her up, but, like, now it's, oh, that's not classy, you know, that's not good sportsmanship, you know, like, I don't know. Cause I was just wondering, I'm like, what if Kaylin Clark did that? You know, like, how would that be seen? Like, what's my own Iowa did that? What would be like the difference? And yeah, that is just crazy, honestly, thinking about it. But I just think people got to understand that, like, women, we can be competitors. We are competitors. We are fierce and we do trash talk. Like, yes, it's real women basketball players and in women's sports, we do trash talk. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know about that uh that comparison though, Larry. I will say this. Coleman Hawkins would Hawkins would like to argue with that, you about that. He got a technical against Indiana after he dunked on Trace Jackson Davis just for screaming. So um I don't know. Maybe I, I think in the men's game they probably would have called a technical. Yeah, at that point, because they just because they are so worried about that. I think that's women's game. I, my only problem with this, Adelia, and see if you I think it took away from how great LSU was that day. They were just um, I mean, that was one of the best games I've ever seen a team play. I've seen I saw them play a few games. They made open shots. They made contested shots. They played f- fantastic defense. I feel like it took away from how great they were in that game. Yeah, I agree. Like they played really well. And that's all you can say, you know, like, it's just crazy how like a a celebration or a gesture can take away like the whole greatness of that game, you know, like they won the championship, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know why it's been such a big deal. I've been seeing it all over like first take and, you know, TikTok is just crazy. You know, I, I thought the, 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 to me, what made it kind of different was, the person, you know, right now, Caitlin Clark is the most popular, probably college basketball player. I don't think you can put male or female. I think of all college basketball right now. And I tend to think it was because you did it at the, not you, but it was done to the most popular player. If somebody would have walked around like that after beating Dr. J or after beating um, Steph Curry, you know, two guys who were immensely popular, I think the fans would have been annoyed. And I thought that was a little bit of the the um, blowback was just right now, 
Caitlin Clark's the most popular. Now, next year, it could be totally different and somebody else catches the uh, country's imagination. But that, I, to me, I thought but that was... Adalia McKenzie. Next year, McKenzie. next year, Adalia could be the most popular college basketball player. And then somebody tries to diss her and then, boom, the whole country lights up. We will have a problem with that then. <laughs> if they're dissing Adalia, we're, we're, we're throwing hands. Well, you, you and I are right there on the court. But I don't think I'm going to mess with some of these gals, Brad. So you're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let's get to uh, we got it. We're running out of time here. Get right to practice. You guys began workouts again, right? Your spring workouts this week. Yeah, we sure did. They've been really good so far. A little bit different than last year when you only had like four people, right? You actually have <laughs> enough people yeah. to do stuff now. Yeah, it's way better. You know, you have a little bit more breaks you know getting back to the cones and stuff like that but yeah it's good having a whole team for the spring workouts and all that it's been really fun what's it what's it like when you're doing these drills and you're thinking that across the big 10 there's people who are doing their drills thinking about trying to beat the Illini as opposed to just assuming it's an easy victory it feels good you know that that's something that we're just continuing to push for like we want to make it far next year and everything we do, we want to just be great. And we know we have so much potential. So we just work hard with like a lot of motivation and dedication. Excellent. I'll ask the question for Mike. We only have a few seconds left, but I know he's dying to get this in. Have you had Papa Dell's lately since the season began? I haven't. Oh, I haven't. All right. Good for you. Man. Don't be disappointed in me, Mike. <laughs> You know, you know, when you, you have a child and they, they don't perform the way you want, you just <laughs> shake your head. <laughs> Grab your coat and leave the arena. That's right. All right. She's the, Adi- <laughs> She's the Illini gal. Oh Adina McKenzie. Good to talk to you. You know, we took, took a couple of weeks off to kind of rest up and uh, we're happy to have you back and look forward to talking to you next week. All right. Thank you so much. All Missed right. you guys. Miss you. And uh, <laughs> you have a great weekend. Always great to talk to Adalia. Be good. Uh, she makes his life. We, I mean, guys, we do. We, we, we joke that like if, if we had another daughter, she'd be a Dahlia. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, uh, she's just awesome. So, uh, oh, you're still on. There you go. Yes. <laughs> we, we really do. We really do. Li- we like you. We really like you. And that's a quote. You probably have no idea where that is, but our older viewers, Sally say, Field, already li- early listeners. I'm just all confused. All right. Uh, time out time, commercial time. We're back with more. <laughs> That was Sally Field, wasn't it? At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Larry, Mike, and Brad here. And uh, fellas, a little uh, NBA news. Yeah, how about the other night? It was fun to see uh, you know, former Illini Myers Leonard and former Illini Iota Sumo go against each other when the Bucks and the Bulls played. I tell you what, Myers Leonard, you know, he he served his time. And uh, for, for, you know, for whatever, you know, you can say what you want, but he served his time. He's back. 
And he's on a team that legit has a chance to win the NBA title this year in, in the Milwaukee Bucks. Got the clinch the one seed in the East, and obviously with Giannis leading the way, and uh, it's really, really happy for him that he's back there. Yeah, he did a wonderful job of really trying to understand um, you know, where he made a mistake and, and then change how he behaves in the future. Uh, I thought that was a model for how to do that, and it was excellent to see two Illini studs out there on the court uh, across from one another. It was great. And for Myers, he's with a team. It's a perfect situation. He doesn't have to be the star. He doesn't have to play. You know, he's a change-up guy, uh, a stretch five. And again, hard to believe a guy that, again, hit only one three-pointer in his college career. And now that's uh, what he's known for, of course. Mm -hmm. Kyrie Irving, um, you know, uber-talented guy. I mean, it's unbelievable the things he can do on the court. But, boy, he is a team killer. And he is, in about three months, he's completely destroyed the Dallas Mavericks chances of getting anywhere in the postseason. Yeah, what was it they said? He was they were a fifty-eight chance percent chance of making the playoffs when they got him, and now they're at six. Right. Um, so uh they're at six. Then I don't know. It's and you know, there's no question that he is talented and he's obviously a great player, but and everybody everybody thinks that if they take him, somehow they're going to win because they're it's gonna be different but ever since he left lebron he's just brought like destruction he's like a tornado coming through and just leaving a wide swath of destruction (laughs) or godzilla yeah something like that well you know and and all these coaches and general managers they fall into the hubris trap where they go yeah but i'm a better coach than the last guy i'll get something out of him and at this point there you know as he goes into free agency this year I might pay him a dollar, but I really wouldn't want him on my team. And you know he's getting a max contract though. Yeah. Somebody's so, giving him a max contract. Yeah. In yeah. a thirty team league, you only need one guy. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> There's a sucker born every minute. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's funny. In uh the last era, there was Liz Taylor. And in this era, there's Kyrie Irving. You know, <laughs> there's always a guy that goes, No, no, no. I, I know the last six guys didn't work out. But but listen. Our love is real, and we're going to make this work. (laughs) My analogies are just, when they get late in the show like this, it just gets nuts. Um, Hey, okay, let's get back back to college. And when we're talking dollars, the sad thing is Kyrie Irving, his next contract, will make more in a season than what the Pac-12 teams will make in their media. I did right there. The Pac-12, a report by our friend Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports, saying that they likely, their next media deal, which they still have not signed, right? I mean, They've been at this for about 10 months now and still have not come to a deal with anything on their next media deal, which expires next summer. They're not, he's now saying that they, most of their, of their, their games will not even be on linear TV. It's going to be a streaming heavy contract for a major power five conference. That was a great segue, Larry. And it's really shocking to me that, that these teams are going to stay in the pac 12. Yeah. You know, yeah. do you see that? How can they say, I mean, I'm not trying to be, how do you compete when you're giving up $70 million a year in money? Yeah. Per I team. Mean, it, yeah. Per, per school. Yeah. yeah. That That's not, that's not realistic. They can't compete at the same level, 
they're what they're bringing in is almost Georgia's going to be spending that in football recruiting, right? You know, at the rate we're going before, and they're going to be getting their entire TV package. So yeah, it's it's crazy, and and I don't think it's sustainable, and that's why I see you're going to see these teams join either the Big Twelve or the Big Ten or try and get to another conference. Yeah, originally people thought it would be a six year, you know journey to get there but this might accelerate it and i'm not certain if you can really broadcast a game via smoke signal but we may find <laughs> out we may find out if that's possible because that's the only people who are interested it's gonna be like it's gonna be like watching it on your old 19 inch black and white television in your kitchen <laughs> or, or remember those old things with the little ticker tapes you know where you sit at home and they little the ticker tape and you read it you know like oh or, and, they, and the guys will make that they'll have to make the sound effects like they have to do with baseball <laughs> crack i hit the two wooden things crack there's a base hit to right field you know so yeah it's uh, it's, gonna, it's gonna be a rough rough for the pack 12 or the pack well, they can't Zero. afford to pay anybody to to work the games because they 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 don't have enough money. Right, they don't have volunteer broadcast crews. <laughs> right, right. Well, one one network to keep in mind. This may sound crazy, but the Ion Network, um, which actually just formed a, uh, which is owned by Scripps, uh, based in Cincinnati, and they formed a sports division within the company earlier this year, uh, and it's a it's a network that's actually in thirty seven of the top fifty markets. Um, and so there's some talk that they are uh, involved in the Pac-12. They're talking with the uh, WNBA, talking with the NBA teams as uh, Bally begins to go belly up uh, in all the different markets. And so that may be where they wind up or on the CW, which is owned by Nexstar. Um, there's, there's some crazy things there, but you're, you know, th- to your point, they're on the outside looking in um, their deal as well as the ACC deal eventually is going to become um, just, you know, something that's just not tenable and, um, guys, you're right. I, I just the way this is, it's just you. You're you can just see where Pac-12 teams and eventually ACC teams are going to want to try to find a way to get into one of the big super conferences. I mean, it's not happening immediately, but in a few years, it just seems almost inevitable. Yeah, they they don't have a choice. They they can't keep up at giving up seventy million dollars a year per school. Yeah. Yeah. And, just, and how many years becomes a, a hole that they can't dig out of? I mean. This is something where they may be like begging at the door yeah. at some of these conferences. Go five years down the line. That's $350 million you haven't gotten that they got. Yeah. yeah. And so everybody else, that's not just, that's facilities, that's coaching deals, that's perks. That's, I mean, that's everything. These other programs that you can't do. I mean, it, you're, it's going to be like a major league and minor league kind of thing. So you're exactly right. Hey, we're almost out of time, but we know that Ketley wants to get in his, his wrestling thing. So. Mike, what, what do you got? What's wrestling this week? Well, look, Roman Reigns retained his title uh, with the ever-present uh, referee being knocked out and then interference from another wrestler. Those things happen. Apparently, videotape doesn't work for the WWE to, to judge these things. No and instant of course, replay. <laughs> no, no. Even though we all saw it, there is no instant replay. Um, and then and they showed us the instant replay 100 times. Uh, then the other thing was, is they were sold by the same to the same company that owns the UFC, and now you have two different models. One's real sports, one's entertainment. One goes on pay per view, and the other goes on streaming. So, what will the, how will they do business? Will they continue to do it separately? Will they blend these two? Um, seems like it, there's a lot of possibilities for these two companies. I was just thinking all the possibilities, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I think Mike needs to do a podcast or a book. Mike Cagley, Men in Tights. 
Hey, <laughs> that would be. Here's what I think is going to happen, Brad. I think these guys they're going to try to get behind one of the promoters in boxing, and then you'll have the UFC, boxing, and wrestling all like one fight channel, so to speak, that they've tried to do in the past. I think they may try to do something like that. Only in America. Yeah, entertainment and then the real competition. Kind of kind of your your lead in, your shoulder programming. So exactly well if you're if you're a UFC fighter and you get tired of getting hit, wouldn't you rather go wrestle where you could make more money and it's not real? Yeah, yeah. And fewer bruises. Exactly. Yes. Broken bones. Exactly. All right. Hey, we got to run. We appreciate you guys uh, hanging out with us for a couple of hours. As always, we will do it again right back here, same time, same station next week. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you then. ILL. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.